Hello, everyone, and welcome to tonight's edition of the Draft Countdown Podcast. I am your co-host, Brian Bosarge, as always, my co-host, Shane P. Hallam. Shane, we are 357 <laughs> days, 22 hours, 59 minutes, and 38 seconds away from the 2023 NFL Draft. I was, I was, I was wondering if you'd jump in and be like, oh, wait, you know, we got, we got to, yeah, we, we are, clock is updated. It's ready to go for 2023. I got uh, a three-round 2023 mock-up. Uh, this week we'll have a seven rounder by the end of the month, but we got we got we got to wrap up this 2022 draft this month, Brian. We, there's a lot to talk about, a lot that happened. If uh, if you weren't checking out our live streams each day, you know we'll, we'll fill you in on our thoughts on some of these drafts and what happened. Yeah, Shane, we talked a lot uh, to the tune of 17 and a half hours worth of uh, over the three day period during the draft. Uh, so, yeah, we covered just about everything, but we're going to sum it all up here tonight. And uh, next week on the podcast, we're going to uh, give some quick fire grades uh, for each uh, each team. Uh, I uh, You're actually doing the AFC written, in written form. I'm doing the NFC starting tomorrow. Uh, you'll have the AFC East up. and uh, But we'll, uh, we'll kind of cross over and, and kind of see how we view each of those on next week's podcast. And then we'll, uh, the, the week at the Wednesday after that, we're going to look ahead to 2023, get you an early look, and then we're going to wrap it up for a little bit on the podcast front. But uh, Shane, um, by the way, if anybody watching right now, if you got any questions about the 2022 draft, leave them in the chat or uh, send it to us on Twitter at draft countdown. And we will answer it at the end of the show. Uh, I guess Shane, the biggest thing that came out of uh, last weekend's draft was the uh, the quarterback freefall, uh, and we only had the one quarterback picked in the first round. That was Kenny Pickett at twenty overall, and after that, we didn't get another one picked to what pick seventy was it seventy four, seventy five, seventy four, yeah, seventy four uh, to Atlanta. So it's hard to say that the NFL didn't try to tell us this, Shane. Uh, cause they really did. Uh, so I guess in a way we shouldn't have been surprised by this. I, I, I guess, um, I, I think the talk of these quarterbacks getting pushed up and, you know, Malik Willis could go number two to the lions and like, like all that was pretty, you know, bunk, uh, even the, the four or five quarterbacks in round one kind of deal. Uh, I mean, or, or I think both our final mocks only had two in there. Right. So, you know, I think both of us were on board of, Hey, these guys are going to fall a little bit. Um, it's not going to be quite what you think it is. I mean, I thought having Pickett at 19 and Willis at 20 in my mock was, was like a little spicy in terms of quarterbacks falling. And then we get to the real draft. Kenny Pickett falls to 20 and the, the next quarterback's taken in the third round. Um, but, but I think this should tell you something, especially about the future like teams are not just going to reach because a guy's a quarterback. Like they're not going to do it. And I, you and I have talked about there are things about this quarterback class about Desmond Ritter and Malik Willis and Sam Howe and uh, Matt Crow that we like. But I don't think we felt super strong that as prospects themselves, you know, they fit in there. I mean, it, my top 100, I definitely pushed them up because they were quarterbacks. And now that was kind of a mistake. So I think that's important to note in the future. Players got to be good. They have to be good for you to be willing to, for NFL teams to be willing to draft them um, highly. And I think the other thing is so many teams are just setting themselves up for 
the, the, the next draft. And, you know, no team that has two first round picks in 2023 took a quarterback, including Detroit, including Seattle. You know, the teams with two first round picks in 23, they're not saddling themselves to a quarterback. I almost feel like that's why they fell so far. Teams just, you know, if you had taken Malik Willis, uh, let's say Atlanta took him or Desmond Ritter at 38 overall. Now you're stuck with him. You can't draft one next year, even if you get the number one, number two pick, right? I mean, it's 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 rare Arizona did it after Josh Rosen in the first round, but you kind of get stuck with that guy. In round three, you're not stuck with that guy. If you have a chance at a better one, you can draft him and you can cut Matt Crow, you can cut Malik Willis, it doesn't matter. So I, I think that's part of it. I don't think teams want to be stuck. You know, Pittsburgh's stuck. If Pittsburgh gets number one overall pick, what are they? They're not going to take a quarterback now. They can't. They're stuck with Kenny Pickett, right? I don't think any other team wanted to be stuck with another quarterback in this draft. And I think that's a big part of this. So, I, I mean, I fully anticipate Pickett is starting games in Pittsburgh before the season's over. I, I am not as optimistic as with the future of Mitchell Trubisky that you have shown in past weeks. Um, but of the other four quarterbacks, I'm not going to count Bailey Zappi, despite him being quarterback five off the board. I, I think he was drafted purely to be a backup. Of the other four quarterbacks taken, uh, which of these do you think has a was it? Let's say let's let's phrase it this way: Which one was it in the ended up in the best landing spot for them to be a six potentially successful quarterback going forward? It's a good question. I I would probably say it was Desmond Ritter in Atlanta. You have Kyle Pitts. They drafted Drake London at number eight overall. So in terms of weapons, it's a team that has something there. Um, you have Marcus Mariota, so he doesn't have to start, but definitely could. I think if you said outside of Pickett, who's the most likely to start a game this season? I, I would say Ritter just over Matt Corral. Um, and I think he's a good fit for that offense that's going to want to be more, you know, running the football and be a little more balanced. Maybe Calvin Ridley comes back, you know, in a year. So I, I think I think that's probably the most successful part. Like, I think Carolina's a good team, um outside of the quarterback position but I, I don't know if you know I, I don't know if that necessarily sets up Matt Crow for success and Malik Willis it's not a bad situation to be sitting for a little bit for him but you know and on on a Derrick Henry led run first team but by the time he plays where's Derrick Henry at where's this team at they trade away AJ Brown you know there's a lot of things that can go wrong so I kind of like the Desmond Ritter spot uh in Atlanta uh, you know, being that next quarterback off the board, that QB two, based purely on the fifth round, we're writing off Sam Howell. I mean, it's just it's just so low. Um, since since uh, since the draft moved to seven rounds, there hasn't been a fifth round quarterback that I feel I would say had a you know successful starting NFL career. I think like AJ Feely was the best one I could find. You know, now the year before the seven rounds, Mark Brunel was a fifth round quarterback. Right. Uh, so, you know, he was really good, but I think it's just, it's just so low. I like the like Once again, I like the fit. I think Washington Carson Wentz is you know, fine, but the Sam Howe I think would fit, but like 
it's just tough to put a fifth round quarterback and feel like, oh, this is the guy that's going to get to start at some point. And if he does, he's still kind of behind Taylor Heineke. He's going to be QB three at best. Like it almost feels like, you know, we're looking at a situation, um, you know, with some of the later round quarterbacks that were drafted last year, Sam Ellinger and those kind of guys, like that's what Sam Howe's going to be in that. It kind of sucks, but it seems that way. Last thing on the quarterbacks and we'll, uh, We'll move on to the next. Uh, I'm sure this is going to be a prop somewhere on one of these sites you can bet on. Who's going to be the first rookie quarterback to get a start this season? Because you know what's going to happen. It's just a matter of when. Oh, man. I, like, I, I, I think Kenny Pickett's just the, the smartest. Because he's going to – he seems like I – mean, I might eat my words on Mitch Trubisky. I mean, it seems like it's going to be an open competition – I still think Trubisky will win that. Um, but I think it's going to be close. Like, I think it's going to be close if Marcus Mariota isn't very good or gets hurt, which he's been prone to do. Then I think Desmond Ritter is the guy that steps in. And I even think Carolina. I mean, Sam Darnold, we saw how bad Sam Darnold was. If things start going south and you're trying to save your job, do you just toss Matt Corral in there and see what happens? Like, I think that could happen too. Uh, so I almost lean, you know, I'm, I'm going to say Ritter. I think Ritter is going to find his way in there sooner rather than later. Um, but I think it's going to be close between those three. I don't think we see Malik Willis. I don't think we see Sam Howell. I don't think we see Bailey Zappi um, this year. Fair enough. What was your biggest surprise other than a quarterback fall um, that happened during the three-day period? That's, that's that's a tough one. I think I think Cole Strange going in the first round was has to be up there. I'll keep thinking. Maybe I'll come up with something better. Uh, now me, I don't. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. To me, the biggest surprise to me was we already had like twelve trades before the draft ever started in the first round, and we had nine more on the clock trades. And right. then after last year, we only had three in the first round. This year, we had nine. And then in the second or day two, we had 10. And then I, I don't know, I quit counting the trades on day three, but there were several on that day, most of them involving the Chicago Bears. So it was, uh, to me, that was the most surprising thing was just like we already had all of this other movement and it just wasn't enough. No, I, I think that's a, that's a really good answer um, because it was fast and furious especially day one, like you said, we weren't expecting that much. And it was intra-division trades and teams moving up and moving down. Uh, once we once we kind of got past the top ten, it was like all systems go, here we go, uh, which was really interesting. So I, I agree with you. I think the trading was, was really interesting. And like I said, I, I don't know if you had given me a thousand – mock drafts to do if I would ever have had Cole Strange in the first round, many of them though. So not that, not that it's like a bad pick or a super, a super reach, like maybe by a roundish, but uh, I would have never guessed that he would have went there. You know, like I said, with almost infinite, infinite possibilities. That's why no one, no one is ever going to guess a first round NFL draft correctly in order ever in the history of the world. Um, I, I'd argue you're more likely to get two perfect NCAA brackets back to back than predict 
the first round of the NFL draft in order. But uh, we will say this, Shane, you did hit 30 of the 32 uh, players correctly into the first round, which was more than anyone else. So, I, 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 yeah, I'm trying to pump that up since, since my score didn't quite uh, quite get reflective of that. It wasn't bad, uh, right? I, I don't remember exactly where I landed, but uh, it, it looks pretty good when you take into account the overall number. But, yeah, I mean, 30 out of 32 is pretty good. I missed um, I missed Cole Strange and Tyler Linderbaum. So those were the two. And, obviously, Linderbaum was one I considered. Um, but I don't think I would have put him in over – I would have put him in over someone else that went in the first round. So I don't think it would have helped to have put him in there either way. And I was never getting Cole Strange, like I said. So that wasn't happening. 31 out of 32 was the best you could hope for. Yeah. Um, this may surprise you or surprise the people uh, listening, but uh, the senior role is still the best. <laughs> uh, of the Of the all-star games. I'm shocked as you are. 106 uh, players – drafted from the senior bowl this was their highest roster percentage they had ever had drafted uh at one time uh they had more players drafted last year but they just had more players because of the uh the covid year and their their roster was much larger um four teams shane drafted six senior bowl players wow so we can we can we can tell who were paying attention down there uh the Arizona Cardinals, the Baltimore Ravens, Seattle Seahawks, and Dallas Cowboys, all with six. Uh, Atlanta, Tampa Bay, Green Bay, and Washington with five. And Chicago, the Chargers, New England, and San Francisco with four. And nine other teams had three players apiece. So not the teams that coached in the game. No. Uh, <laughs> it's funny you say that. Now that you say that, only the yeah. Jets – the Jets had three players that they drafted. I, I'm curious now. I have to go back and look to see. Uh, the Lions barely had any. I remember someone saying they, they maybe had maybe one, um, but it, it, it was almost almost nothing. That's uh, interesting. James Mitchell. Yeah, I, I I don't see any. I'm not sure if they drafted any senior bowl guys. You you know you know the roster better than I do, but. That's interesting because usually it's the teams that coach in there, maybe not the first round because they're picking pretty early, but usually the rest of the draft um, when they've worked with these guys or even when they've swapped teams and you get a chance to work uh, a little more personally, usually those teams come out pretty high on that list. But um, the Lions were definitely not one of them. That's interesting. They drafted one, Kirby Joseph. Kirby Joseph, there you go. Was there only uh, one? The uh, Jets drafted three. Jermaine Johnson, uh, Jeremy Ruckert, and Max Mitchell were the three uh, the Jets took. But, yes, uh, Shrine Bowl had their best year in many moons there. I believe they had they had over 40 for sure. I can't remember the exact number, uh, including their highest drafted player since 2012. That was Tyquan Thornton. We can wax philosophically all day long about why that was ridiculous. But, uh, you we'll, know. We'll get there on the listener questions, so don't worry. Yes. Yes. Um, so, yeah. Uh, to the surprise of no one as well, Shane, the uh, the SEC uh, led the way. It doesn't hurt when Georgia had 15 by themselves and LSU had another 10. Uh, just, between, just between those two schools, by the way, Georgia and LSU, that was the same amount as the Big 12 and Pac-12 both had, 25 apiece. 
the SEC with 65 players total. Big 10, 48. Not bad. Not bad. Far superior, like I said. ACC, 21 uh, to close out the uh, Power 5 conferences. Here's what I found interesting when I was looking at this. Conference USA, the MAC, and Sunbelt, all FBS members, all decent uh, decent football teams in that conference, uh, six apiece for each conference. The Missouri Valley Conference, which is FCS, eight. Wow. So, pretty good there for the uh, – what's this damn good football there? Uh, in that conference, with that's the conference with North Dakota State, North Dakota, South Dakota State, yeah. all the Northern Iowa, all of them guys in that conference. So, uh, what do you what do you take away from that there, Shane? Well, I, I think it shows that the gap, I mean, between the FBS, the FCS, isn't as big as it seems. And obviously, we're, we're you know we had some there's some players drafted that transferred up as well that typically yeah, maybe you have one or two, but typically doesn't happen that much. I think it would have been maybe even higher had that been the case. Um, but I think that's what it tells you. Like if, if, if these players are good, the NFL is going to find them, especially in the Missouri Valley conference, like the level of competition and something I argued for when I talked about Pierre strong, and Christian Watson, and uh, those guys, like the level of competition isn't that far off from the non-power five. Uh, it really isn't. And I think, NFL teams are realizing that and utilizing that um, in this evaluation that this isn't necessarily a knock any worse than someone from San Diego state. It's about the same. I have a feeling here and I'm just going off a personal gut feeling that the Sun Belt in the next three to four years is going to be equal to the mountain West conference. Uh, and per- perhaps even closing in on the, um, the American athletic conference, which that conference ended up with 19, but nine of those were Cincinnati. Uh, and what a great year for their, which yeah. was a great year for their program. Um, I didn't have this on the uh, tracker, but we always, uh, we talked about it when the combine invites came out and during the combine that, you know, you're pretty screwed if you didn't get a combine invite as far as getting dra- your chance of getting drafted goes, the percentages are low. Um, but that went up this year, hmm. uh, slightly above the yearly average per Dane Brugler, uh, 38 non-combine uh, invitees were drafted this year. Uh, none before the fifth round, which is exactly what you said. Uh, you're not, if you know, it's, it's fifth round or on, if you're not invited to the combine, you did say that. Uh, four drafted in the fifth round, 14 in the sixth, 20 in the seventh round. So 38 total nine combine players, Shane. And I think it's just important to note when those invites come out, like if a guy you really like is not there, like it's like, oh, you know, I got to I got to go back. I got to reevaluate. I mean, it's not necessarily a complete death knell, like you said, to be a late round pick, but definitely not getting top 100 capital without being invited to the combine. I think too, this year, um, and we've had it past years to that, like, but I, I felt like you and I were kind of tracking it. You, especially a little more this year uh, with, with the RAS scores to some of these players, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh round. A lot of these teams were just swinging for athletic upside of these, you know, guys that had uh, some of them weren't even at an all-star game, you know, or barely at an all-star game. Um, 
that we're at, you know, a hula bowl or a tropical bowl or whatever, and, but just we're super athletes with size, you know, it will take a shot. And I think that's where some of that percentage comes from of guys that weren't invited to the, uh, to the combine. It wasn't, there, there were a couple that I felt like were, you know, good players, but just got kind of overlooked. Um, but I, and they, they decided the combine invites a little early this year. I felt like, uh, I don't know if maybe that's my recollection or, or the senior bowl kind of moved, but I, I felt like there were a couple guys like a Gregory jr. I don't want Sheeta Baptist that would have been invited, ha- had those invites come out later. Um, but it, there was a lot of athletic just swings in the late rounds to try to find someone with that upside athletic skill set, special team skill set. Um, that's usually where those players went. Can't wait to re- uh, read your draft uh, uh, grade on the Colts. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It, it, Whose lowest RAS score they drafted was a 9.13. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Just insane. Um, yeah, so – if you're not invited to the combine, not the end of the world, but you know, it helps. Yeah. Uh, had a sort of rally for the uh, HBCUs this year, Shane. I know there was a big emphasis on that. The Senior Bowl, uh, in conjunction with the NFL, held the first ever HBC or not the first ever, but held the HBCU combine uh, in conjunction with the Senior Bowl this year. Uh, while none of those players were drafted that were at the HBCU combine, several. Uh, ended up signing as undrafted free agents, uh, and more than that, got minicamp tryouts. Uh, but four were, four HBCU players were drafted, uh, including senior bowl player uh, Joshua Williams from Fayetteville State, drafted in the fourth round to corner, Jacoby Durant, uh, fourth round to the Rams from South Carolina State, uh, James Houston from Jackson State, uh, drafted in the sixth round, and uh, another senior bowler, uh, Jatire Carter, from Southern drafted in the seventh round. So that was good to see. That was good to see. Cause I think we knew Joshua Williams was going to get drafted. I don't think the other three were guaranteed. And so I, I was happy to see all of them who were deserving. I mean, there were more than 262 players this year. I think that were deserving of getting drafted, but I think all, uh, all those HBCU players were deserving getting drafted. And it's uh it's good to see. Um, do, you, do you feel like the, you know, you were down there mobile at the HBCU combine. Do you feel like that made an impact at all, or maybe with maybe even not drafted, but with uh, some of the camps invites or signings after the draft, do you think that at all was helpful? Especially with some of the undrafted signings, because this was probably the first chance for some of these uh, for scouts uh, to get there, to get in front of these kids that maybe they would have never even been able to talk to them. You know, some of the, like um, I don't know if he signed or not, but um, the running back from Miles College, um, I can't remember his name, but anyway, he, um, you know, I don't like I said, but how many how many teams would he have gotten in front of at Miles College, right? Yeah. So that that was good to see. Uh, in 2020, uh, only one player from an HBCU was drafted. In 2021, there were zero. This year, there were four. So we're trending in the right direction, and I think. With the advent of NIL, uh, with the NIL being, you know, kind of what it is now, and you're going to start seeing more and more top collegiate players maybe taking a look at uh, the HBCUs, especially with what appears to be Jackson State and what Deion Sanders has there. Um, I mean, you have to ha- you have to have a good feeling that this number is going to continue to grow uh, in the next few drafts, right? I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Well, if that kind of sticks, um, we'll see if that if that sticks or, 
you know, if Dion jumps ship to Florida State next year, we'll see what we'll see what happens <laughs> with with all that. But I hope I hope it does. I hope uh, I, th- I think NFL teams, you know, want to t- like you said, get in front, take a look, talk to these players, and it's an opportunity. You know, someone like Jay Tyre Carter, I think, is an NFL player. I, I think he definitely is, and to get kind of get seen at Southern and get talked to, I think it's important. So that's it's a really good point. So let's move on to some of these undrafted free agents, uh, of which there was a lot. <laughs> um, I know it's hard to narrow down to just one, maybe two, but what were some of your favorite undrafted free agents and their and where they landed? Yeah, it's it's like you look at the list and you're just uh, you know the, it, some of these names pop out that looking at it. I, I'm like, oh yeah, that guy, you know, that guy went undrafted or I, I really thought they could go higher. Um, I, you know, I, I'm kind of intrigued because we had a lot of big athletes uh, end up getting drafted. So, you know, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll be a, a little Homer, but not, not even a player I liked very much, but master T the running back from Ohio state had that like awesome pro day. Uh, and went to the Chicago Bears with that new system, I thought was kind of intriguing um, to see that. And probably my favorite, though, is Marquise Bell, the safety from Florida A&M. I was really high on. I really thought would get drafted. Had a visit with the Dallas Cowboys. I was like, oh, this is this fit is too good in, in that defense. Um, and then they signed him. I was like, oh, this is I, like, I think he's going to make that team. I think he's just perfect um for the Dallas Cowboys and what they run with the size and athletic skills and uh some of the ball skills there so I, w- I was happy with that one um and then uh an- another one I like you know a guy I've talked about a while I had at one point as a day two pick is uh Christopher Hinton the defensive lineman from Michigan unfortunately went undrafted uh signed with the New York Giants who drafted some defensive linemen but I think that's a good fit too in that three technique could be intriguing so those are some of my favorites your rationale for dallas makes me wish i had put marquee spell as my uh one that would make their team on my uh no oh, sorry uh, yeah uh <laughs> they, today, had some good, they had some good signings though so yeah, i did uh i uh today at draftcountdown.com i released uh one player who will make one undrafted player who will make the final 53 from every nfc team on friday i'll have it for the afc um, and but Aaron Hansford was the one I had for Dallas, but I like your Marquis uh, Bell explanation a little bit better. Uh, I did have Master Teague though uh, for Chicago. I did. Nice. I did have that one. Uh, my probably one of my favorite landing spots is just because they seem to have this history building now of a tight end, a quarterback to tight end converts here, and uh, so I like the. Commander signing of Armani Rogers, a guy I've talked about a lot who is intriguing from a athleticism point of view. I think practice squad is probably where he ends up this year, just because I think he's going to need to add a little bit more weight to his 200 and listed 225 pound frame uh, to play tight end in the NFL. But that one intrigued me. Um, and just because I uh, you keep convincing me that it's going to happen. Uh, the uh, Clark Harris uh, road at 38 years old appears to be winding down as the Bengals signed the uh, top long snapper in this draft, the only draftable long snapper uh, in this draft, Kyle Automatis from Pitt uh, to their 
um, team. So he'll probably he'll 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 be the my one from the fifty three for the Bengals tomorrow. Uh, despite I wanted to go Javon Javon highly, but Adamitis uh, appears to be the way to go there. Not not a uh, not a Ben Brown fan there. Center for Wilmes. Practice squad, baby. Practice <laughs> yeah, squad. yeah, that feels like a good, a good yeah. practice squad. I mean, player. he's reportedly recovering from some sort of injury, right? So, I mean, you've got that built-in excuse. Put him on the practice squad, and uh, and roll. But yeah, that's yeah even uh, even for the Steelers, um, you know, I feel like running back was a need, and a, a, they signed two, I think, decent ones: Jalen Warren from Oklahoma State, Mateo Durant from Duke. Um, are both interesting, could make that roster. And, I, you know, you and I talked, like, Tyree Johnson, pass rusher for Texas A&M, I'm excited about too. So um, I always get too excited about the undrafted free agents. Yeah. Then the, all, all the ones that I'm like, oh, this, this, these guys are good. They're the ones that get cut. So, um, Spoiler alert, I, I ended up going with one of the running backs uh, for Pittsburgh. Solid. Uh, I went with Mateo Durant just because of the uh, home run hitting ability. There that I've saw from him, so we'll see. They'll probably end up going with the other one, and yeah. they'll go with Jalen Watson. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, Shane. Uh, last thing tonight, and uh, we're not going to have the longest episode tonight by any means. But uh, before we get to questions, so here we go. You know the landing spots now. You know the players. Who is the offensive rookie of the year? Who is the defensive rookie of the year? Oh, man. I, I think it's really tough this year because there's not a quarterback that you feel confident in starting. Like, if Kenny Pickett starts day one, he's going to win offensive rookie. He, he can even be average. I think he probably wins that. Um, I, I don't feel good enough about any of the receivers for offensive rookie of the year. Uh, so, I, I, I guess I'm going to go – I guess we're going to go Brees Hall. I think it's probably the best case. Like, if it's not going to be a quarterback, if you don't see a receiver doing what Justin Jefferson did and just absolutely becoming a monster, then I think Brees Hall gets enough touches. Though I think Kenneth Walker in Seattle sneaky, but Brees Hall for the Jets, they're probably going to try to run the ball a little bit more. He'll get some passes, you know, have some big games. Um, so I think I'll go with him for offense. I don't, who's your offensive rookie of the year pick? I think Brees Hall feels the safest if, if you're going to say, just because it's generally speaking, not last two years, notwithstanding generally, you know, running backs have touched the ball a lot or whatever. And you don't know how many quarterbacks in it starts or whatever, but I'm going to go with one of two wide receivers and I'll see how this goes. I think if Christian Watson can get in there and get Aaron Rodgers trust, like immediately, he's a, he's the best wide receiver on their team. To me, skill wise, I think so. I, I, I think that just that alone will give him the numbers to get a shot. Uh, the other wide receiver who I think may get a lot of manufactured touches uh, is uh, Traylon Burks for the Titans, replacing AJ Brown essentially there. So those are two I, I like for offensive rookie year. Defense, I I'm I'm I'm, I'm going to go Kayvon Thibodeau. Uh, I think that's. I think he's going to have the best ability to get to the passer, rack up sacks. That's some of the, kind of the most important piece for a defensive pass rusher. I think more so than Trayvon Walker and Aiden Hutchinson. Um, 
kind of a sneaky and, and I, when I say it, it won't feel like a sleeper, but I promise it is, is Kyle Hamilton. I think Kyle Hamilton could be in there. You want to guess what year the last time a safety one defensive rookie of the year was? Was it uh, Sean Taylor? Uh, no, it was 1990. Mark Carrier. Wow. Was the last safety There's... defensive rookie of the year. That was with the bear. Was that with the Bears? Is that, that was remembering that? with the Chicago Bears? Yeah, good job. That's that's pretty good. I would not have known that. So, um, so it, like Kyle Hamilton maybe doesn't feel like a sleeper, like he's with Baltimore, and uh, but safety man, it, it just you don't have enough opportunities. But I could see him making some splash plays, returning two picks for touchdowns, and if none of these defensive rookies make much of an impact, um, that could be the case. So, but I, I'm okay with Thibodeau. I think he probably has the best shot. Um, when all things considered, I always feel like this is a linebacker award, and so I'm going to go with Devin Lloyd for uh, Jacksonville. I'm not even sure he's going to be the most productive linebacker on Jacksonville as a rookie. I think Chad Muma maybe has a shot. There's a take. Yeah, I, I, I like. Take. That's, so that's actually kind of a hot take. I think Chad Muma's got a better career than Devin Lloyd. But well, let's just hypothetically say Devin Lloyd has 110 tackles and let's say a few sacks and four interceptions. I'll, I'll go with Devin Lloyd. Yeah, because I, 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 I didn't really think about anybody else other than him. So he no, was the first fair. one that popped in my head. Yeah, in, in the past 10 years, um, I would say we probably had one pure linebacker win the award. I mean, Michael Parsons did last year, but he he kind of did. He became both. an edge as the um, season went on. Yeah, right. So I'm like, I don't know if that counts, but Darius Leonard at 2018 okay. was the only linebacker. So it's been a lot of you know, Chase Young. Well, it used to be that way. <laughs> yeah, right, right. You go back to the you know 20, 2000s, early 2010s. I mean, it's you know Patrick Willis and D'Amico Ryans and Luke Keekley and you know those guys uh, – so maybe it comes back. I think this could be here. I think it, we're coming back. Linebackers, baby, coming back. Nakobe um, Dean, the sleeper. Yeah, well, well, I mean, maybe that's another thing to talk about too. Like, how about these injury falls? Uh, I mean, Nakobe Dean fell to the third, but I think even you know Carson Strong and Justin Roscoe went undrafted was pretty surprising to me. Um, did you anticipate any of them being this this bad? I didn't think Carson Strong would go undrafted. Um, I I was not surprised by Justin Ross. Just because you're talking about a neck injury and not a knee injury that teams may be more willing to bargain with. Like, you know, in theory, you might not see a player die on the field from a knee injury, right? But – some someone with a neck as wrecked as Justin Ross's, he takes the wrong hit. I mean, he may die on the field. And I just don't know that that's a risk how many teams were willing to take. And then and then his poor testing and poor production this past season, that didn't help, in my opinion. So I know I wasn't surprised with a little surprised with uh, Carson Strong, uh, not surprised at all about Justin Ross. Nicobe Dean was surprising to me too, um, to fall as far as he did. Uh, I mean, I, I had, obviously I had him out of, out of the first round, but you know, we, when we kind of got the leaks out about, Oh, you know, he, he didn't have a surgery and whatever. Um, 
and then he came out and basically said, like, no one told me. But the fall to the middle of the third to pick 83, yeah, he's smaller. But, the, I mean, the production is crazy. Uh, I, I was just surprised to see guys like Troy Anderson and Brian Asamoa go, you know, go ahead and the Kobe Dean was, was not – was something that was a little jarring there on day two. I, I know multiple times at some point I had the Eagles when they had three first-round picks – Almost every time I had them either mocking a linebacker, either Nicobe Dean or Devin Lloyd, I had Nicobe Dean mocked in the top 10 at points and times, and then he falls into the 80s. Like I said, it wasn't just one injury. It was a you know a multitude of different injuries he's had throughout his career. And then pairing that with him being a bit on the small side kind of you know seemed to all snowball into him falling into the mid-third round. But putting him with the Eagles – pairing him with his teammate, Jordan Davis, who was one of the main reasons he was allowed to free flow the way he was in college, um, could lead to him putting up good enough numbers to potentially be in that conversation uh, at the end of the season. And like you said, it's just such a good fit there too. Uh, So it wouldn't surprise me if he's healthy, that he can get on the field. And we look back in a couple years and say, Wait, why didn't anyone take him? He was really good in college. Why didn't anyone take him in the first two rounds? Um, so I think it was a, a good pick worth worth trying for. We've got a few questions, uh, one in the chat, one on Twitter. So let's uh, let's answer those questions, Shane, and we'll wrap it up. Uh, that's a lot of letters. So the, his name, Belichick's biggest draft bust ask. <laughs> Why does Belichick suck at drafting talent, but does an overall pretty good job of coaching? Hashtag forever NE. Uh, man, I mean, I, I don't think it's as bad as it looks. I think certain positions, I mean, I think wide receiver is one that is always just not great at drafting. And I think a lot of times there's a very specific philosophy, right, for Bill Belichick and how he drafts players and the types of players that he drafts. He doesn't swing for the home run. He does. He's, he's not going to be the Colts. He's not going to be Mister ninety nine point one three plus Raz for every pick. Uh, Bill Belichick drafts good football players, and they're fine. But eventually, that's not going to match up to the these athletes. And I think that's part of the problem. And then, and then when he does draft an athlete, we saw Tyquan Thornton right get drafted. Uh, you know the cool strange pick we talked about, uh, but Tyquan Thornton receiver from Baylor goes a pick 50 goes ahead of George Pickens goes ahead of Sky Moore um and, and so it's like okay here here's the one time you're going to step out of that box and then now you it felt like okay I got to draft that we need a fast receiver we're going to draft a fast receiver and you kind of ignore the other parts of the position um and you know if there's one thing I don't trust the Patriots to do is draft receivers well I you know I don't know what the last good receiver that they drafted um, would even be that, that was like a home run starter. So I I don't know. It it was such a strange, weird draft, no pun intended for the new England Patriots. Um, And I I just don't know if it sustains. I I don't know if, if Bill Belichick, he's a great coach. He's the best coach in the NFL bar none. I think he still is. Absolutely. He's taken that team. They shouldn't have made, the, the playoffs last year, they shouldn't have been as good as they were last year. And they were, but like, then you start to have to question the talent evaluation side and maybe 
Um, you know, maybe it's not his strong suit anymore, and that's become a big problem. I am looking through right now trying to find a receiver that they've drafted that was any good. The yeah, like, best one I can find in the last – going back, just, just ca- capping it at 2010, the best wide receiver I see that they have drafted is Braxton Berrios, and he plays for the Jets. So, Right, right. And, you know, did much better there. And, like, I mean, Julian Edelman in 2009, I guess. But he, was, he wasn't even a receiver. They weren't even evaluating him as a receiver in college. He was a quarterback. It's like, who's the guy that Bill Belichick watched at receiver and said, this guy is going to be a stud in the NFL and drafted him? Like, it's just – I don't know if – if if it's ever really had Deion Branch, I mean, we're going back 20 years to get a starting receiver. And, and that's it is indeed Deion Branch in 2002. So there you go. There was the last starting level wide receiver that Bill Belichick has drafted in New England. Uh, now he's had a multi time Pro Bowl player at wide receiver, not counting Julian Edelman. That's Matthew Slater, but he's a special teams player. Pure, not a not a uh, wide receiver. So, uh, and you you mentioned Tyquan Thornton. I don't know that he was much of an athlete if he was just fast. His RAS was like in the low sevens, so not an overly great athlete either. Uh, it's it's almost like Al Davis possessed uh, Bill Belichick for like five minutes, and said, "Give me give me the fastest fastest guy out here." I you know I, I thought that was a big reach. I had. Uh, Thornton rated 175 on my board and to go 50th overall. Ugh, not it, a, it, it was just not, weird. It was just weird. Like you said, it was like it was almost like we need someone down the field to take the top off the defense. So who's the fastest guy instead of there are players that can do that that are also good football players. I don't know. I'll, I'll stop talking about the Patriots, but I mean is it sad that I think their best two picks they made in this draft were both running backs? I, I know you think that was easily their best pick was Pierre yeah, Strong was in Pierre the fourth Strong. round. I mean, and I'm biased to Kevin Harris, obviously, but uh, I, I, I'll say this. I love, I love Marcus Jones, the player. Uh, and I think if healthy, Marcus Jones is going to be a stud for the Patriots. If he's healthy, that's a big if when you have double shoulder surgery though. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's go to our comment here in chat. Darren Johnson asks, who do you think is the first round fantasy rookie draft pick that is most likely not to pan out? This is all you, Shane. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, I think there's a lot that might not. I mean, if you take a look at the receivers, um, I, I would kind of lean Jameson Williams. Like, if there's one that's just not going to pan out, going to the Lions, they have Monroe St. Brown, they have T.J. Hawkins, so they have DeAndre Swift. They still have Jared Goff, a quarterback. Like, if Jameson Williams is more a speed guy than a Jalen Waddle getting 10, 15 targets a game, I think fantasy-wise that could be a problem. Um, the the smart money is on one of the running backs. I I actually would say James Cook. He's He's kind of rising into the first round of rookie drafts. Uh, the running back for the Bills that came from Georgia. And I just don't know if James Cook is going to be – I think he's going to be a good football player. I don't, I don't know if he's going to be a dynamic 1,000-yard season, you know, 
rusher receiver. Um, I, I think he'll be more a role player than that. So those would probably probably be my two that I'm not quite as high on that I both I think are getting overdrafted a little bit in uh, in fantasy right now. Am I wrong to think that Atlanta should have went with someone like Garrett Wilson instead of Drake London? I, I I mean I think that's a common thing. You think because of Kyle Pitts yeah. or yeah the overlap of styles with Kyle Pitts. Yeah, I, you know, he, here's my thinking: is it's it's for them is it's probably a whole lot easier to get a smaller, faster receiver than to get a bigger, you know, a, a bigger receiver like that. Like if you look at the NFL, it's just going to be easier next year if they want another one or to sign one. It's going to be hard to find a Drake London again. I mean, I would have taken Garrett Wilson if I was them. I think that would have been the best play, but I get it. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not opposed. Um, I know, I feel like you brought him up at one point, but they did bring in uh, Stanley Berryhill from Arizona as an undrafted player, smaller guy. Uh, they also brought in Tyshawn James from Central Connecticut, who I brought up at one point on the podcast uh, just for his ridiculous testing he had at his pro day. Um but he's a 6'2", 260-pound player, a long shot, obviously, to make, for both of them to make the team. But um, they did bring in a couple of other receivers. Um, I like Atlanta's draft, though. I probably will have high praise for uh, for their draft when it comes to when it comes NFC South time. Uh, Dwayne, just a comment. Hats off to you guys. I think the viewers get a really good feel for how many hours you guys put in the hard work. I thoroughly enjoyed all of it. Looking forward to 2023. We appreciate Thanks, that, Dwayne. Yeah. I appreciate you hanging out, watching us for most of all three days of the draft and all the, almost every single week here and always supporting me, man. No matter what, uh, no matter how down I get about some of this stuff, you're always got my back, man. I do appreciate that. Um, I wish Southern Miss was better, man. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Uh, Dwayne is a Southern Miss alum, uh, played football for Jeff Bauer at Southern Miss in the early 2000s. And uh, not only does Southern Miss not have a player drafted, Shane, I don't think they've had any sign as an undrafted free agent. I don't even know if I watched Southern Miss this year. I, I, don't I watched a couple of games. It was not a good year yeah, for I'm the sure. uh, Golden Eagles uh, talent-wise. But I think they, uh, I think Will Hall there, their new head coach, I, I feel good about Will Hall and uh, him building a program there, especially now. As I mentioned earlier, that was one of the reasons I think the Sun Belt's going to uh, – the, the, the more regionalized uh, version of the Sun Belt I think is going to be big going forward. Um, Shane, final thoughts. Put a bow on everything here on the 2022 draft and what we got coming up. It was a fun draft. I, I had a good time. If you know, if you're really bored or have you know want to go back and listen to the live streams, you can go to YouTube.com/slash/TheDraftCountdown and subscribe there. And uh, you know, you want to watch through those and put them on two and a half times speed or whatever. And uh, you know, you can get our thoughts on every single pick. Uh, is is definitely a way to do it. We kind of gave that analysis. So if uh, that's something you're interested in, then, you know, you can check it out. And, yeah, we, we got the grades coming. Uh, like I said, I'm working on stuff for the next – for 2023-2024. I'll even, before the end of May, put a one around 2025. I, I've started trying to watch uh, – you know, I have on my list to watch a cup – just the, the, the top incoming freshmen 
So um, we'll do that. And then when we you know, relaunch back in August, I'll, I'll have that all squared away. You're a maniac, man. A maniac. But I told people the other day, I said, uh, I, I, I think pound for pound, our coverage uh, just as good as the network's. We just don't have the, the snazzy production value, Shane. Yeah, which, uh, which means we, you know, we have the grit. We have the hard hitting info. So it was a good time. That's right. I, mean, Saturday, I was wearing down Saturday at the end there, but uh, we'll get, get the endurance up for next year. Some would say, Shane, we're sneaky athletic. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, my final thought is this uh, personal note here. Uh, on Friday, I will be a, a father for seven years, Shane. Uh, so one to. Yeah. Wish my daughter Libby a happy seventh birthday coming up on Friday. It is, uh, it's an adventure, sir. I will say that. I will say that. Never, never a dull moment. <laughs> I'm sure. But uh, that's going to do it for tonight's edition of the Draft Countdown podcast. Uh, if you're watching along, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Uh, hit the notification bell. Give us a thumbs up. All that good stuff. And uh, share it. Share the video out so everybody can see it. If you listen to us audio. Uh, be it on Spotify, be it on Apple Podcasts, or wherever that you listen to your audio podcast. Give us a five-star review. Give us a good rating. Uh, share that out as well. Uh, <laughs> um, follow me on Twitter at Deep Fry Draft. Follow Shane on Twitter at Shane P. Howell. Follow Draft Countdown on Twitter at Draft Countdown. Go to draftcountdown.com for all your 2022 NFL draft reviews coming up, grades and all that, and 2025 mock drafts coming up too. Crazy. Crazy, Shane. You're crazy. But that's going to do it, everybody. Thanks for watching. Until next time.